Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Welcome to episode 28 of We Do Recover. I'm your host, Jared Miller. Today, I'm super excited. I'm joined in the recovery lounge by your co-host and our medical expert, Dr. Terry Sellers. Woo! Happy to be here. We also have in the studio today the man that makes this thing possible when he's not running a side hustle on top of a side hustle, Sean Denovan. <laughs> I'm just over here in the corner. <laughs> and finally, to our featured guest, super excited to get this guy's story. He's an amazing man, well-known in the industry, Christian Smith. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. We are grateful. This podcast is recorded in sunny St. George, Utah. Episode 28, part one is brought to you by none other than Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. If you or a loved one needs help, reach out and give them a call. 801-800-8142. You know, I really do love Steps. Steps is, they're a good organ. They treat me good. I love them. Yeah, good. Yeah, good people. I played golf yesterday with uh, one of the owners. So, oh, I didn't play with him, but we were in the same tournament. Which one? Give us the dirt. Huh? I can't remember his name. Oh, okay. I'm kidding. You're you're okay. I'm kidding. Well, sweet. What's what's new and good with you, Sellers? Uh, Ty Hansen, by the way. Um, <laughs> what's new and good? Well, let's do what's new and good with you. I look over. Yeah, you're wearing this shirt. If yeah. You're, if you're look, if you're watching the podcast, you can see that Jared is wearing a Sober Society shirt, which is a cool looking sweatshirt. It's got a hoodie on. Uh, what, what's that about? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So, I, you know, we we've had people on that have had um, sobriety apparel, and I I kind of came up with the concept. I wanted to make something that was fundraising to help people. This will be the second time that I've done something to help raise money for people in sober living. And there's always a why behind it, right? So when I got my act together and was putting my life back together, I was dirt poor. I mean, imagine making, you know, 10, 12 bucks an hour, paying child support on top of it. I didn't have a lot of money. Like I didn't have the money to move into sober living. So right. I had to move in at the age of like in my late 20s, right. mid to late 20s, back in with my mom. And that is super hard when you're trying to gain some self-esteem and some self-worth to move back in with your parents. And so what do you do if, if there's something that you want to, you know, change, you try to make a difference. So sober society is about raising some money, half of 50% of the, the profits. So that's cost, right? Minus you don't sales. Have to do all, you don't have to do all the accounting. Okay. All right. Good. This isn't an accounting podcast. Yeah. Uh, goes, goes to help raise money. We're going to donate to get some people helping with their first month moving into so some sober living. Be, so. be honest. If you shine a black light on that shirt, does it say Jared Miller is awesome? Under, I, it, underneath. I don't that. know. You'll have to buy one to find out, okay. sellers. All right. well. <laughs> see what I did there, Christian? Yeah. Do you see yeah. what I did there? How do they? How does somebody buy one? So you go to actually this podcast, uh, this podcast Facebook page. Okay. You click on View Shop. Right there, we got all three products. We're also working on a hat. Sweet. You can just order it right there, or. You know, if you want to, if you're a local in St. George and you want to save five bucks on shipping, just shoot me a direct message. My Venmo is Jared-Miller-223. We'll make it happen. Jared will bring it right to you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I have been doing some know. hand deliveries yeah, lately. And right. thank you to the people that sight unseen they ordered. Yeah, like, sure. Like, man, we got some amazing people yeah, out there. Yeah, sure. Love them. Love Noticed them. Amanda ordered the other day. Shout out to Amanda. Yeah. Amanda Carrillo, yeah. she's awesome. Who else ordered? Anybody we need to... See? We got Corey. Cor I saw Corey wearing his. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Danielle, Cor my friend Danielle. Corey looks good, isn't it? Yeah. Stacy. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, there's quite a few people. All right. Well, I like it. What's new and good with you? Thank you, uh, by the way. I appreciate the... Yeah, the sure. Love. So, uh, I'm down here for a golf tournament for... It's a group called Good Time Golf... Mostly out of Salt Lake City, I believe, and Good Time Golf is a group of sober golfers. And I don't know what did we have out there yesterday, Christian. How many? How many players you think? Sixty, at, at least sixty. Yeah, sixty, sixty people. Wow. Every one of them sober, to my knowledge, and playing golf, and it was a ton of fun. It I was cold it. yesterday, but it was great. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Like yeah. I love the the volleyball leagues and the yeah. baseball. And there's so much yeah. cool recreation down fun. here in Southern Utah. I love St. George. Yeah, it's fun. It's a little cold on the golf course, but yeah, 
A little, I mean, you're, you're from Provo. It should have felt good. Well, I'm from Florida. Oh, okay. I just keep, <laughs> right. I keep pretending I'm from Florida. <laughs> I call that home. Well, Christian Smith, let's get you in the mix, man. What's, What's new and good with yeah, you? Yeah, you got anything new and good going on right now? No, I just, uh, I hope you don't suck today on the golf yeah, course. I was terrible yesterday. Oh, are you his partner? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he drug, me, oh. he drug me around the golf course. He was awesome, and I was terrible. We won. But uh, no help from me, frankly. I was not good. Christian, is your back feeling okay today? It's actually sore, but it's a little sore. He's getting a little heavy. You're having to carry him. That's what 60 (laughs) years of living will do. (laughs) I'm carrying a big fat guy around the course. Oh, too funny, guys. Sean, anything good, new and good in your world over there? No, everything's great. All right. Thanks for asking. Beautiful. (laughs) Cool story, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, great, great. Way to add to the podcast. Uh, Okay, we should get going, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get going. So Christian Smith. Those of you that don't know Christian Smith, you're about to you're about to get to know him, and it's a it'll be a treat. Uh, I've known Christian for quite a while now, and uh, we're about to get to know him. So, tell us just briefly about Christian Smith right now. Like I don't need to know, but just who's Christian Smith? Uh, I'm this in the next week. I'll celebrate 39 years of marriage to the same woman. Wow, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about her later. Just she's pretty sick to for us to celebrate thirty nine <laughs> years of marriage. She, she must guy. be nuts, uh, uh, Kelly. And we have four kids. Uh, all four are married and live close to us up in the Salt Lake Bountiful area. And uh, six grandkids. What? Oh, that's you're beating me. I got five grandkids. Yeah. You're running. It's the coolest thing in the world. Grand yeah. Yeah, grandkids. What's your kids' names? Adam. Okay. Chad. Is Adam the oldest? Adam's We're the oldest. In order. In order. Adam, Adam Chad. Yeah. Uh, we call her Crazy Sarah. Sarah. She's our third. Yeah. Uh, we call her Crazy because she's crazy. Uh, she is a little crazy. <laughs> she's in school to be a licensed clinical social worker. She thinks she wants to help out in this industry. She's like been working it. in it for a bit. She's working for uh, Turning Point. Well, and uh, also doing an internship for. Recovery Ways. No, excuse me. New Roads. I'm giving everybody names here. Yeah. And then our baby is Abby. All right. Very nice. I like it. You're a blessed guy. Oh, you are a I blessed am. man. I'm a blessed man. <laughs> she is, he actually is a blessed man, and he knows it. <laughs> so let's get moving. Where Tell us about Christian Smith as a kid. Okay, I've told this, uh, my story, if you will. I've told a lot, and sure. here we go again. So some of you might be listening going, I heard this a yeah. thousand times. Well, it doesn't change. I'm yeah. sorry, but yeah. this is the same story. But not you, on We Do Recover. Yeah, we no. got to get it. We yeah. got to get you in the records. Yeah, we're, and we're going we're gonna to find something weird about your story yeah. that's new. So I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I was asked to go share this experience with some people in Arizona. And uh, I had my wife with me and my oldest son, Adam, and his wife, Natalie. And I thought, well, I was, I'm telling the same story every time. I thought, I'll, I'll just spice, tweak, spice, spice it, it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, it didn't go as great as I had hoped, but it felt okay. And when we're done, Adam pulls me aside and says, Dad, you, you know, you have a great story. You don't have to mix it up, <laughs> which right. to me said that was terrible. The <laughs> dad, that was terrible. So no, I, I uh, born in nineteen sixty, so I'm an old fart, and uh, the fourth child of eight in a in an active LDS family. Uh, we went to church every week, and mom and dad had callings in that uh, organization. Um, uh, the whole time I was growing up, including bishop, stake president, Relief Society president, and mission president. Mom Your mom were. was the bishop? She was. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different LDS chair. <laughs> yeah, sure. They're trend breakers. Yeah. A little more progressive, sure. So, the uh, Growing up was pretty easy. It was We were middle class socioeconomically. Didn't have a lot. Didn't go without much. Um, the... Uh, I remember the one of the challenges with eight children, uh, siblings, seven siblings. You know, we didn't always get along. And uh, being in the middle, I, I sometimes found myself lost. And uh, I learned quickly that I, I was blessed with, uh, and there'll be some people listen to this and just laugh, but bite me. I was blessed with the ability <laughs> to, play, to, to play a pretty good sport. And uh, basketball was my sport. And so I could, I could flex my muscle with my older brothers 
uh, on the basketball court, and nice. I hope uh, they're listening, both of them. I took them down bad. They oh, fell sure. for fakes like nobody's business. <laughs> next thing you know, there's bloody noses. And yeah, listen, I'm gonna we're gonna have them on next week, and they're gonna tell the real story. <laughs> they get to tell their side <laughs> yeah, of this basketball gonna, feud. Yeah, it's not yeah. gonna be the same story. Yeah. So uh, didn't have any substance abuse in the family. Uh, um, I listened to your podcast a couple weeks ago, and I know you talked about the predisposed genetic component of addiction. I did have that going on. My uh, my grandparents on my mom's side uh, and her siblings, brothers, uh, struggled with alcoholism. But in our family, you know, we didn't, we weren't around that at all. Uh, LDS culture tends to frown upon bishops yeah. smoking and drinking. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, so uh, one. The way we communicated in the family was, this will come up a little bit later too, we were pretty passive. Uh, we did speak sarcasm, so that would, you clinicians and medical people would understand that's passive aggressive, and we still speak that language today, and it works for us. But That's my first language. Yeah, sarcasm, sarcasm. is really great. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so, I'm not fluent in that language yeah, at yeah. all. See, right, right. There's an example. Everybody <laughs> a great sarcasm <laughs> right there. Uh, so... Uh, didn't struggle with substance abuse. I did sample clear alcohol, which was probably vodka, as a 12, 13-year-old, and about the same time smoked a, a little bit of a cigarette. It turns out it was probably really the butt end of a cigarette because I would learn years later I didn't get that little, holy cow, uh, spin, <laughs> if you will. And uh, other than that, no substance abuse. I did have a disease, and I'm pretty sure you can confirm this as a medical expert. <laughs> but this is going to be funny. Uh, no, it was. I think it was a serious disease growing up. It was. I think it's called horneiness. <laughs> okay, I'm not a medical expert. You're gonna have to explain this to me. <laughs> you want to elaborate on that? I was horny. I, that was. The, oh, <laughs> the, you were a teenage was, boy. That's yeah, weird. I was, so I always had a girlfriend, and I was pushing the envelope. You know, if, <laughs> if she'd let me get to first base, you know, then second base was a given. And if I can get a double, well. Why you know? And I, I was always, I was pushing. Stretch it out to third, baby. That <laughs> oh, that right yeah. fielder doesn't have a good arm. You can make it. Go, yeah. go. Yeah. All the moms listening to this podcast <laughs> yeah. are, are dying right now. I love it. I love yeah. this guy. So, uh, That's a good point. Uh, in high school, I, I I played basketball. The first two years, uh, I played freshman and then sophomore, junior at Cottonwood High School. A new coach came in. Uh, in between my junior senior year and, and pulled me and a couple other guys in and said, hey, you're going to make the team next year, but I'm changing things. And by the way, Cottonwood sucked anyways. We'd never won any games hardly. And uh, he said, you're going to make the team, but you're not going to play. And I'm going, well, I'm not going to. Yeah, why am I making the team? <laughs> yeah. Why am I going to go practice? Yeah, I'm not going to go to wind sprints and ladders and all that other crap to yeah. sit on the bench. And so Exactly uh, what happened my senior year. Like he, all the seniors said he was yeah. building for the future. So somebody suggested, hey, well, why don't you try out for a cheerleader? Huh. And I thought, well, that's, you know, he had four guys and four gals. And so we tried out and all four of us made it. I didn't have any gymnastics. You didn't have very good friends, did you? I didn't have a single <laughs> friend that ever said, hey, why don't you try out for cheerleader? Yeah, it was a little different then, I hope. Listen, you look at it from a good perspective. Four guys, four girls. It like, was a blast. Okay. It was a blast. It was uh, during then that... Uh, I didn't know at the time, but I probably during doing doing some of those uh, splits. Yeah, I didn't do that, but lifting <laughs> and whatnot, and and I did I did get pretty proficient on the uh, mini tramp there, and uh, but, <laughs> but I probably broke my back. I didn't really know it, but that would come into play some years later. So I finished that, had a great experience, and uh, what's the what's the right thing for somebody to do that graduates? high school and is turning 19. Uh, I, for, I did leave out. I, I, uh, I repeated kindergarten, which back in that day, I thought I flunked kindergarten. Look at sellers. Look at, that's exactly how I felt. And I, cause I'm, I'm asking, can be doctors, sellers, yeah. okay? Kindergarten can be tough sometimes. And I'm asking myself <laughs> that same thing. I like, kindergarten was naps and recess yeah. for me. How do you flunk <laughs> kindergarten, man? How do you do that? For the nap reason or Are whatever? Are you not a very good napper or what? I don't know. But it, 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 it was, I didn't have any trauma growing up. Dad spanked me on a few occasions, probably oh, less yeah. than six. And I do know that. that less than six. That was a good week for me. <laughs> I, I remember thinking, you know, when he spanked me, you know, so oh, he must not love me. So that, if I had some trauma, that mm. bugged me a little bit. Mm. And uh, 
So I graduate high school, and now I'm a year older than everybody else. And immediately, what does an LDS guy do? Go on the mission. Go on the mission. Yeah. And uh, I went to Johannesburg, South Africa in 1979 and loved it. It was just a fun, probably funner than a mission is supposed to be. <laughs> and uh, Still working on the apartheid thing there in 79, weren't they? Yep, yep yeah. they were. And that was one of the downsides of my learning to adult because I didn't, uh, I didn't do any adulting in, on my mission. We did, I, didn't, I didn't do any laundry. I never cooked a meal. Uh, I never made a bed, didn't yeah. clean. We had people that would do that. Yeah. And uh, so that didn't help me learn how to adult a little bit. I'm right. Yeah, but don't don't down it too much. You got up every morning at six and yeah. went out and did your duty and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But during that time, I'm writing a couple of gals. I'm still horny. A couple. And, yeah, a couple. Well, it, yeah, neither one knew about the other. No, I it turns out it. that's a, those of you listen that might go down this road, don't be very careful if you're writing multiple women. <laughs> Because in the, the same town, they could have friends who are mutual friends. And so I get a letter from from uh, one gal. You already know who she is. Kelly who says, hey, if you're going to write Corinne, don't write me. Oh, and I just gig is up. I panicked, you know, like, OK, OK, I'll stop. And uh, anyway, get home from the mission. I uh, still have that disease. Seven days after I'm home, I'm engaged to be married. Oh, my Seven God. Days. <laughs> Seven days. Seven days. Oh, my gosh. God. The remedy, the remedy for a horny return wow. missionary is marriage you, in my world. Yeah. Wow, you were horny. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Seven days is what you lasted. Yeah, it's just. I still hadn't gone to the mall seven days after my mission. <laughs> worried about leaving the house in jeans. So we get married three or four months, whatever it was, five months later. And uh, that's when life started to take a different twist. Kelly, I come from this family where our, we didn't raise our voice. The only time it was okay to raise your voice and be real assertive or even aggressive was if you're playing sport. And I get kicked out of a game and, and dad's going, that's my boy, but not in the house. Kelly, on the other hand, came from a family where they practice assertive communication. They called you out. Didn't matter where you were, who was around, if somebody did something silly, you know, it was, to me, it was, it was as if somebody was yelling at me and on the basketball court, I don't care who you are. Let's go. You'd be six, eight, let's Absolutely, go. Yeah. But in this one-on-one -on -one communication deal, I, I just, something happened inside me and I just, I wanted to crawl under a table. So three years after we're married, I'm in a motorcycle accident. And most of you listening know the rest of this story. There I was sent home from St. Mark's hospital with a um, bottle of Percocet. It was Percodan yeah. back in the day. Yeah. And I remember the label said, take one or two as needed for pain. And it worked. Yeah, I the, needed them every four <clears throat> minutes. The, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd heard you, Doc, years ago say something that is really appropriate here. I remember if I could only, the, the feeling I got taking these pain pills was, if I could only feel like this forever, Yeah, everything would be okay. And uh, so I learned quickly that if I took one or two, that physical pain went away, broken leg, road rash. But if I took three or four, Kelly could come at me all she wanted and it didn't hurt me anymore. Mm. It's amazing what it does for that emotional pain too, right? Yeah. Kind of the numbing effect. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. So I healed from that motorcycle accident, stopped taking pills. You can't play Mormon basketball without finding yourself in the emergency room. Everybody's tried out for the NBA, man. It's because everybody on the <laughs> Ward basketball team thinks they're Danny Ainge. Yeah, and you know they got NBA scouts sitting oh, on yeah, the stage sure. in that uh, cultural hall there. For yeah, sure. Sister Sister Bennett is an <laughs> NBA scout, yeah, right? So Kelly worked in the ER and still does work in the hospital system in Salt Lake. And every time I'd go in there, you know, they were really kind to me. They treated me like family. Uh, you know, okay, this is a broken ankle or a broken arm or a sprained ankle. Back in that day, they were pretty, pretty kind medically to liberal, liberal, pretty, pretty loose. Yeah. For, for opiate prescriptions. Yep. And, uh, I remember faking mispronouncing the drug that I was seeking. Oh yeah. It's, oh, I love yeah. it when the patients come in and can't pronounce <laughs> the single drug they're looking for. It's, it's, I don't know. Is it called, it's like perk. It's yeah. Mine was Laura, Laura, Laura tab. Yeah. It's not yeah, pronounced Laura, Laura tab. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would even say, they would even go so far as to say, well, how much do you take? Um, I didn't want them to give me a five, right? Because that wouldn't get me where, and 10 might have been, you know, that might have given the, the game. So it was 75, I think. 
7.5? Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's, that's definitely the, that's it. That's the one. And uh, so I started going down this road, and next thing you know, I'm into it uh, eight years. Uh, probably within that first year, I'm gone from taking those opiates sporadically to within within that first year, I'm using 24-7. I did not like withdrawals. This is before suboxone came out i didn't like the withdrawal feeling at all and so i'm really taking within that first year probably not to get sick I, that's unique because i think everybody else loves the withdrawals yeah <laughs> i have a lot of patients who take it just so that they can go into withdrawals yeah i'd purposely get thrown in jail just so that i could withdraw <laughs> love that experience yeah that's the thing that, i mean it's it's weird for those of you who might be listening who have never been addicted that's universal like withdrawals scare people to death that is the reason people keep using like imagine the flu or the worst physical element that you've had on steroids basically yeah. right yeah i mean the the cold anyway yeah it's it's a terrible thing and it's enough to scare anybody into uh doing whatever they got to yeah. do to be physically dependent yeah. Yeah, I remember using that same analogy as I've worked in this business for the last 11 years. Take the, for a, for a normie or a family support, you know, take the worst flu you ever had and times it by 10 and you might be in the ballpark. It's just unexplainable. Well, and heaven forbid we go to somebody and talk to them about the things that are making us use because that would be totally unmanly to do, right? And yeah. we all got to be tough. And in and, and, and the culture that I was raised to that same point, you know, just strap your boots on, pull the boots up, and, and go. And boys don't cry. Yep. You know, just man up. It's, Sounds like it's, a song by The Cure. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. It is a song by The Cure. <laughs> so um, I'm working at this time in the medical device arena. I'm representing companies that manufacture mechanical heart valves and cardiovascular crafts. I'm uh, financially, we're, we're making a lot of money. I'm traveling a lot. And now, uh, I'm introduced to another component to help self-medicate what's going on, and that's the form of alcohol. Traveling. Yeah. I have you say this, traveling, you know it's alcohol. Yeah, it's yeah. alcohol. The very first time I drank, I remember I'm at a training center in Kansas City, Missouri. We meet everybody, go to dinner that night. There's a group that's training, and they find out I'm from Utah. Are you Mormon? And I remember saying, yeah, but quickly said, I'm not a good one, which was really a lie. That was my value system. And I... I was trying to be active, uh, but I didn't want people not to like me. That was another problem I had. I, oh, okay. I couldn't like me if you all didn't like me. Oh, okay. So I didn't want them to, to judge me. So you wanted to fit in. Yeah. So I, I remember after the dinner, they go over to the piano bar in the hotel that we're staying, and I followed them, and, and uh, they said, why don't you drink one of these? And I said, sure, I'll, I'll drink whatever. And they ordered me some Bartles, a Bartles and James wine cooler. And I remember <laughs> drinking that. you got to be are my age to remember that one. I remember Bartles and James. But it tasted like soda pop. Tastes like Sprite. I'm going, this is great. They kept buying it, kept drinking. And the, the next thing I remember is waking up in the hallway of the hotel. <laughs> a few doors down from the room I was supposed to be in. That was my first experience drinking. I drank like an alcoholic the very first time. Blacked out. Blacked out. Wow. Yeah. Total blacked out. This home run hitter. Listen, I'm laughing. I should shut up because this is the beginning of tragedy, but it's just, the story's funny. Yeah. That, uh, that, that night, there's a side story. The guy, the guy passes out on Bartles and James. <laughs> <laughs> and you can imagine. That's a Mormon boy. Yeah. And I, the, the reason I came to was the stomach was saying, yeah, <laughs> this doesn't feel good. We're going to come up now. And so I barely made it into my room, not to the bathroom but into the room when it just you know it was i was sick for three days but didn't stop me from drinking yeah going forward that night there's a fun side story and i'll be quick on this we got about one minute left in the first in part. this segment uh okay real quick yeah, uh, we got the, the piano player was a gal named tish and i'm drunk i don't remember most of this oh this um, is gonna go sideways but uh we're flirting and uh i do remember walking her out to her car when it was the bar was shut down. That was my last memory. I come home from that uh, that trip, and then a week later, I walk into the house from work, and my wife's sitting there at the table, kitchen table, with an envelope on the table, and her leg, her feet are crossed, and her leg is just as, oh yeah, and her arms are yeah, folded. And this is the, this is the sign that okay, this ain't this ain't good. And she says to me, "Do you have something you want to tell me?" Mm. Of course, I think 
No, I don't think so. You mean she, you didn't want to go, I love you? <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, she pushes the envelope across the table to me, and uh, I open it up, and there is a black and white picture of a scantily clad woman with the handwritten caption, Thanks for the great night, Tish. Uh, and that is that is just the beginning of where whoa. things get bad. We're going to get the rest of that story in part two. Thank you so much. We'll see you after this 30-second break from our sponsor. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery, and once you become the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times, and it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right, part two of episode 28, We Do Recover. We got Christian Smith on here talking about the depths of the addiction that he took him to. And he finished with a black and white photo of him standing next to a scantily dressed female Piano but, player. Piano player. Before we get back to that, though, yep, we got to do a sponsorship mention. So episode 28, part two, is brought to you by the Hilton Garden Inn. It's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn in St. George, Utah. If you are a loved one's traveling through Southern Utah, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn, St. George, Utah. They have amazing amenities. I promise you won't be disappointed. It, it really is amazing there. I love I love their staff, love their people. Yeah. They all, Look, I don't bring sponsors on. I'm pretty picky. Like I got to have a genuine connection with somebody to do a sponsorship because I, we've been offered other sponsorships and, sure. and I love these guys. I really do. Yeah. Proud of it. They're so. good to me. Um, it's the, uh, parade of homes in St. George this weekend, apparently. So they were, they were really full this weekend. So Christian and I got, well, we, uh, that's a funny story, but I'm not going to tell it, be, but we were stuck <laughs> in a, we were going to be in a house with a bunch of other guys and. Christian was going to sleep in a room on a bunk bed with like two other guys in the room. And when you get to my age, almost everybody snores. And so, uh, it's not that Christian wouldn't have slept. It's that he would have woke the rest of the room up. Maybe you would have been part of that and night rock that, concert. That just feels uncomfortable <laughs> when you start kicking people out of your room. I've, I've done it myself. Yeah. I've woken up, I've woken up to my wife sleeping in the bathtub before <laughs> in a hotel room. It's pretty nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, okay, well, let's get back to it because we got yeah. a lot of stuff to do. But And I'm loving it. Uh, yeah. So I, I got to know this. Like, uh, how did this picture get in the hands of Kelly? That's the crazy thing. Uh, when I, I don't remember ever giving her my address. Do you remember taking the picture? No. What, you uh, sent it to her? No. She sent it to me. The picture was, we're standing there just, she's, she's. Dressed like a hooker. No Wait, offense. Who, the piano player sent it to you. How does yeah. Kelly get it? It was in the mail. If only we had a oh, recording of this sent, night. She, she sent, sent it in the mail. Mail to you. Yeah. She sent. So I, listen, listen. You know how dumb and old I am. I thought, um, I thought she sent it by phone. <laughs> But, uh, we didn't. This do may that. have predated that. that we we that, didn't the, do the that. The phone I had then. weighed about eight pounds. Yeah. I used to refer to it yeah. as the brick. Yeah, <laughs> I remember those phones, and they didn't receive any pictures either. Uh, I did not. Yeah, that, uh, and that would open another door of, you know, I'm unfaithful to my wife over the years. I wasn't that night. Uh, well, you were but by you flirting. Were. Yeah, yeah, by flirting, flirting. I yeah. get it, but uh, all right. And that uh, that put me down that road. Right. Uh, and I'll skip through a lot of stuff, but. Many of you will know that the pains I'm about to enter in, um, uh, unfaithful to my wife, opiate abuse, alcohol abuse, and the back uh, was uncovered during that time. The back had uh, L5S1 major problems, spondylolisthesis, spondylosis, de de degenerative disc disease, and the remedy for that 
uh, they recommended was surgery. And I remember. Well, I thought it was a piano bar with a, with a scantily clad. <laughs> yeah, at this point, player. it's not getting to be fun anymore, yeah. though, right? No, like, at this it point, isn't. It's, now it's work. Now yeah. it is just work. Trying to cover my lies, um, my behaviors. Uh, Kelly knew of the alcohol and the substance abuse, didn't know how to deal with it. And so it wasn't brought up very much. And, and that probably speaks to the culture of, that we were raised in religiously. Um, I'm still pretending to be active member of the LDS church. And, uh, so they finally talked me into having that surgery in 2004. So I'm skipping quite a bit. Um, and I remember going into that surgery with the fear of, you know, what if it got worse? Cause I'd had buddies had similar surgeries and it didn't get better. It got worse. Yeah. The other fear I had was, well, what if it got better? Mm-hmm. Mm. Then what do I do? And I remember that night in the hospital, uh, I did have that little clicker that you pushed oh, yeah. as much as you needed to. Yes. And uh, But I remember the pain I was experiencing was a different pain. It was the pain that somebody had just beat the crap out of my low back. It wasn't the pain that radiated down the, the left leg. And uh, so as fate would have it to this day, I don't have any back problem uh, other than when I'm carrying Doc Sellers on the golf course. On the golf course, yep. Yep. That's just because I'm out of shape. Get, get your back ready. <laughs> get your back ready today, too. <laughs> so at that point, I still have this emotional pain. Don't have the physical pain. I'm not on opiates. Still drinking a little alcohol where I can, but um, I find gambling. Oh, oh, awesome! And I'm a good gambler. So just yeah. just so is everybody out, else. We're we're talking about cross addiction now, right? He's crossed several lanes. Okay. Okay, welcome to the lane of gambling. Hope he yeah. put his turn signal yeah. on when he did it. And I'm, I'm spending lots of money because my problem is I'm a good gambler. It was Texas Hold'em, blackjack a little uh, bit, but I love Texas Hold'em. I'm a good gambler, it, says everybody everywhere. Except when I got drunk. when I would, <laughs> And they would give you all the alcohol you could drink at the casino, you know. And I picked up a DUI for God in 2001 uh, coming from Wendover. Mm. And uh, um, I'm going through lots of money. And, you uh, mean Wendover by way of Burley, Idaho? No. You weren't that drunk. No, I wasn't okay. that drunk. Okay. No. When you no. say lots of money, can you put a figure on it? Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't want to because Kelly's going to listen. No, Kelly knows. We've, we've we've made that amends. Yeah, we've, we're good. Um, <laughs> we figure in that year it was somewhere between seventy dollars and, and $80,000. That you lost yeah. gambling. Yeah. Well, you uh, are a good gambler. Yeah. I don't make that in a year. <laughs> I don't make that in probably two years. So, so Mikey Orton said yesterday when we when I went three putt, you're good at three padding. <laughs> I think that was me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, um, at one time, it, 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 these are catalytic events leading to the end, but uh, I had taken some money from my son, Chad. Uh, I think my memory is about $2,500 out of his account and uh, went to Wendover and lost it. Mm. And it, would, it, it was over a weekend. Uh, I had his debit card with his PIN number, and that was back in the day where all he could do over the weekend was watch it, $300 at a time, disappear. Couldn't stop it. Mm. And I come home Sunday night. I pull in the garage. Kelly's uh, at the entry into the house in the garage with her hands on her hip, which is a sign of, oh, shoot. Um, and I walk past her. I said, hey, I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to fight about this. I'm just going to grab some clothes and go to my mom and dad's house. They were out of the country on a mission. And they live in North Salt Lake. And so uh, she said to me, this is Catholic event, probably number one for change. Uh, she said, take it all. Oh, wow. I don't need you anymore. And I remember thinking, you know, I, uh, this is not what I want, but I didn't say that. I said, that's fine. I didn't want to be here anyways. And uh, so I left and went to mom and dad's. aggressive, he says. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to mom and dad's place. That was the worst place for a guy like me to be in the world. Literally, the neighbor to the east uh, in this North Salt Lake home was a guy named um, Robert Hales. Robert D. D. Hales. Hales. The neighbor to the west. For those of you that are not LDS, that's a that's a general authority, one of the big time leaders yeah. of the church. And the the neighbor to the west. No fences between these houses. A guy named David Bednar. Yeah. And uh, there, I, within a week, I'm introduced to the final substance that would just take me down i'm introduced to crack cocaine, cocaine. Oh, and uh, i just remember within within six months probably four months after first starting cocaine i'm not working now because i'm not hireable i'm not dependable yeah yeah, yeah. and so i'm really not working and uh, i don't have much there um but the cocaine i'm i've lost everything now i'm 
Uh, I even sold a car that I had for dope, mm-hmm. um, pawning stuff from my mom and dad's house. Um, nice, expensive stuff. And within four to six months, I'm in jail for theft and forgery. Okay, can you feel? Can you feel that switch? Like this all starts out fun and games, right? I mean, because we've laughed a lot on this podcast about some stuff that you did and stuff that happened to you. It just turned really gray. Yeah, like this is how it happens. The early part of addiction sometimes can actually be fun. I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but this is where it always turns. And this doesn't start to, I, I can't find something to laugh about right now about this part of the story. And I just want to chime in and Turned say, black. I like to think of it as like, I use this analogy. When you have an emotional, uh, tur- when you're in emotional turmoil, Everybody says, you know, substance abuse is the answer and that's the problem, right? We've had guests that have said that. And I, I think of it as like a loan, okay? If, if I'm not wanting to pay something off or I'm needing some support, I go and I take out a loan. Well, what happens? That interest yeah. compounds and eventually it catches up. And that's what's happening right now is that loan and all that fun and games eventually is caught up to you. And now that loan's pretty heavy. Yeah. yeah. And at this point, you know, we're into it 20 plus years Yeah. of, of this this running and gunning and a lot of interest. And cheating. Yeah. There's a lot of interest and it's about to be paid. So I, uh, I, I, I end up stealing $2,500 check from a Fen Fen settlement, partial settlement that my mom got. They were out of the country. It was in the mail. And so I just forged her name, paid the order off and cashed it. And I left the, the pay stub out on the counter. And one of my siblings came to visit. Oops. And uh, they saw the pay stub and they, god, you mean god left the pay stub out yeah that's true yeah, because i wouldn't wish what would happen what happened to me from that moment on to anybody but i wouldn't trade it for the world mm. uh, i'd spend the next 18 months in jail mm. and uh, i was on a year sentence but i was i had two courts salt lake county and davis county that were after me and so on a year sentence i spent 18 months and it was there that i had another catalytic event where i began to change one of my major problems inside uh, Kelly and our communication style and our relationship was problematic to me. That was emotionally, I didn't know how to cope with it. But the other part was a lot of shame uh, come from the culture that, that I was raised in. Huge. And, and it wasn't, you know, they weren't deliberately leaders of that church or any church, I don't believe, deliberately put that on us. I don't believe they do, but I internalize it. Sure. And rather than go to this place of, hey, you made a mistake, why don't you look at correcting it. I, I, I am the mistake. Right. Right. And so guilt versus shame. Yeah. Yep. And, and I was confused of the, uh, the difference between religion and spirituality. I thought those were the same thing. Yep. And, uh, what I, uh, an experience I had in jail that I won't go into, but it was a, it was the greatest spiritual experience I've ever had in my life. I want you to go into it. Yeah. I'm playing. I'm pissed. When I get to jail, I'm spiritually dead, broken, right. bankrupt, dead, broken and angry. I'm angry at everybody. Um, and the two that I'm most angry with, well, three, my brother, Scott, who wrote the letter to the judge that said, Hey, we love our brother, but we don't know how to help him. You write that letter. The judge goes, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> Bam. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be our guest for a while. So I was angry at him, but I was angry at God and I was angry at me. And, uh, you know, God, what the heck are you doing? This is yeah. just BS. Yeah. And God, so, God doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. So here I am and I meet up with a guy in there that's, that's my age and we started playing chess in the mornings and he, uh, he and I would talk a little bit about God and whatnot, but I didn't want to. One morning we're interrupted in our chess game. And if you ever been to jail and I hope you haven't mornings, I'm an old guy in jail. Cause at that point I'm 47, 48 ish. And, uh, after in the mornings it's quiet after breakfast, tray pass, everybody else goes back to bed. But I'm not going to go back to bed. So Jeff and I would just play chess and quiet and visit. And uh, one morning we're interrupted by our chess game by a guy named Jonathan, who I remember was from Honduras. And he said, you guys are always talking about this God and this Christ thing. What's that all about? I remember thinking, this is how spiritually bankrupt I was. <laughs> I, I said, hey, dude, we're playing chess. Walk on. <laughs> yeah. So, so Gar- Carter says to him, hey, before you go, here's a book gives him this book, says, why don't you read this book? And if you have any questions, come back. And I'm thinking, Carter, you're a genius. 
we'll never see this guy again. That's a Book of Mormon. We will never see this dude. I was wrong. The very next morning, this guy had questions. I'm butthurt again. Another jailhouse term. I am upset again. You're interrupting my chess game. And Carter says, well, you just come every morning and we'll teach you some stuff. Just pissed off. So we're going on and I'm waiting to be transferred from that jail any moment to Davis County where I have to do a year. That's why it was a year and a half. But I think God, looking back, had a plan. I need you to figure something out here before you can move forward. Yeah. So we're going to slow some things down. And uh, so we started teaching him. And I start coming out of this fog and this bankruptcy and start remembering things I'd memorized 20-plus years before that on a mission. And I know I'm not that smart. And so I'm starting to soften up a little bit. And we've each night I would say, hey, probably won't see you guys tomorrow. They're going to roll me up only to wake up to groundhog day for eight <laughs> months. And, uh, so we're running out of things to teach him. And, uh, Jeff says, what do you want to teach him? And we talk and somehow we come up with this idea of the atonement. And for those Christian folks, you, we all know what the atonement impl- implies. And I'm going, I'm thinking, I got this. I know everything there is to know about the atonement. <laughs> so I grabbed what I had that night in my cell and prepared this dissertation on the atonement the next morning. And the next morning would change my life. Catalytic event number two. Uh, I go into this, why we had what uh, needed a a savior and the atonement and talked about the uh, uh, life of Christ, his birth and the miracles that he performed. And it was good stuff. Talked about culminating with him being betrayed by his friend and then uh, going to court himself and, and being condemned and died on the cross. Thought it was good stuff. And I remember it was over in this, Jonathan leaned over, and looked me in my eyes and in this Honduran accent said, why? Why did he do that? And I remember thinking, you jackass, I just spent an hour telling you. That's when it happened. It was as if my grandfather was in that room, and he probably was. And he said to me in my mind, Christian, this question he asks you of why, you don't know the answer. Mm. You think you do. But you don't know the answer. And until you know the answer, life's going to be pretty tough for you. So I listened for a minute to what was spoken in my heart and in my mind. And I, I said to Jonathan, he did it because he loves me. He loves you, a liar, a cheat, and a thief. And if we would just look to change, all this would go away. I never saw Jonathan again. That night I was rolled up. Wow. I, I finish that sentence. Kelly begins to visit. We reconnect. Three of the four kids reconnect. I get out of jail, go back home, and I quickly, expectations of a job, I relapse really fast on crack. I'm not taking pain pills, not drinking alcohol, but I, I quickly go to crack. And then Kelly says, I'm not doing this, and I'm homeless. And in 2000, um, late 2009, uh, I'm homeless, and the only thing I have, I'm living down at the park. Uh, that's Pioneer Park. Yeah, downtown uh, Salt Lake City. And trying to do what I can to scrounge up a few pennies and enough to get $20 worth of rock. And uh, the only thing I had was I wasn't divorced, so I was still on Kelly's health insurance. And uh, late in 2009, I figured it's not working anymore. And I, for the first time, I'd been to treatment a couple of times, but for Kelly and for the kids and siblings and everybody parents. but you yeah. yeah for the first time in my life I said it ain't working and I made the call and checked myself into treatment I met Jason Webb who's just a phenomenal counselor but the biggest nerd you'll ever meet <laughs> and he helped me understand the difference between religion and spirituality and to this day I still I, I offend on occasion not on purpose but my LDS friends when I say the spirituality that I'm advocating for in the recovery process will not be found in a church building. You may go there to support it, but you will not find it there. Oh, you'll man, you'll so find powerful. it in the quiet places, uh, nature, looking in the eyes of a child or a grandchild, somewhere where the heavens can speak to you and say, Christian, I know who you are. I know the pain you're going through, and you matter to me. So I get that in treatment, get out of treatment after 83 days of residential. Kelly, I go home, Kelly on a napkin we still have has four deal breakers. You gotta get a job, if you don't do that, you can't live here. You, you, uh, you gotta get your driver's license reinstated, which was a probate, because I'm, I'm probation, 
driving on a suspended driver's license. Um, let's see. You can't use. That's a given. But the fourth one just cracks me up. You got to go to church. And I remember going, oh, thank you, Jesus. If only I had done that and read my scriptures and prayed more, all this shit never would have happened. You know, right. you know that was, again, sarcasm. Right. And uh, so uh, day six, after 83 days, I relapsed. And it was the worst, worst relapse I ever had. It was 10 days I was gone. And uh, everything I had was gone. Uh, I'd stolen more money. Um, get uh, that night of that 10th day, the final catalytic event happened. Uh, the dope's gone. I'm uh, the phone. I, I already sold that. So I have no way of contacting anybody or they contacted me, but I checked the landline. I called my cell phone from the landline I was at and there was voicemails were full and Jason Webb had left a couple, you know, Jason Webb. And the first couple were, Hey, I'm concerned about you. Call me crescendo to the middle of the week of, Hey, this is ridiculous. Call me. But the last message he left was the final piece I needed. This is the message he left. He said, Christian, it's Jason. Have I told you I love you lately? That gave me enough courage. There was no judgment in that. It was just unadulterated love. Gave me the courage to pick up the phone and call him. Tell him I'm not in a good place. Went back to treatment for 30 days and never looked back. That was February 4th, 2010. That's where I realized, my brain realized it didn't work. It never worked for me. And I made the commitment that come hell or high water, as things got tough and they do and they did, I'm not picking up. It's not an option anymore. I will figure out a way to communicate with Kelly so that we can it by. I will understand that stress isn't going to kill me. It's just part of this gig that we call living. And uh, quickly after that, um, Steps Recovery, one of your, your sponsor, we love them. offered me a job. I remember, uh, Doc, you and I talked about this a couple of days ago. I remember that first year. I had never worked so hard. I was in the medical device arena. I was making $50,000 a month. And in that first year with Steps Recovery, I made 20. He was making more than I made as a doctor. Holy I, I was, Well, that's because we were charging you guys arms and legs <laughs> to put those heart valves in. <laughs> but I remember I worked for $24,000. And I never, right. I've never worked so hard for so little and been so happy in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That opened the door. I, I worked for Steps for some years. And uh, my ego started, I still got an ego and thought, well, I don't like the way you're doing it, Mike. And uh, that was my ego. Different owner than now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, and Ty and I, we got to know each other there and uh, I went and worked for another outfit and, uh, and finally decided I could do this better than all y'alls and open my own place called Inspire Addiction in 2015 with my two sons. And uh, we loved it. And uh, that was acquired four years later, and I still have the privilege. I work for a company called Stepstone Recover or Stepstone Connect, and uh, they are in this space of outpatient telehealth, and they were great at first responders. I love those guys at Stepstone. Uh, I've been blessed. Let me tell you the blessings of recovery. I I do use AA. That was kind of how the the vehicle that got me to sobriety. I probably could go to more meetings um, and I might offend some people and those that know me will make fun of me. You know, I I don't have to, I believe that uh, one can be recovered and this is going to piss people off because I do, when I say that, I don't mean to imply, Hey, I can go drink like a gentleman now and I can go smoke crack cocaine and then go back to my job. I have a, a healthy respect for the disease I have, but, um, Bill W. speaks about it multiple times in the big book. You know, we're a group of 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of whatever that was. So now my people are laughing at me. I love AA. No, I, I, I love that. And I actually believe the same the same thing. Like, we, we do recover. We can recover. It doesn't mean, like you're saying, that, you know, we can jump back into yeah. the old ways, right? Yeah. But that's part of recovery is knowing that we can't. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, fun. Some of the great blessings, the employment over the last eleven years in this industry, I've loved. I the best people on the planet are people in recovery. 
yeah. and people seeking recovery. Our hearts are the kindest, most gentle people in the world. But when we're caught up in that addiction, we're the worst people on the world. We lie, we steal, we cheat. Yet in our core, our, our hearts are the kindest people, almost to a T. I, I can't think of too many people in this recovery experience the last 11 years that were at the core dicks. At the core, they were kind-hearted people filled with pain. But some of my favorite blessings of recovery were that, that money I stole from my son, our second son, Chad. For the first year and a half, if I walked into in recovery, for the first year and a half, if I walked into a room Chad was in, he walked out. And I remember probably 60 days, 60 days into my recovery going to Kelly, what's his problem? I'm 60 days clean. He should just forgive me. And uh, so the, the kids, they, they uh, were close. We love each other. Chad's mo- Chad and Adam are my best golfing buddies. Yeah. Uh, we have trust. We communicate. Kelly and I celebrate 39 years. Our relationship is wonderful. It's not perfect. That's the other thing I, I believe in. This idea of being perfect, it's not going to happen in this life. I'm a big believer in progress. That's the big deal. Progress, not perfection. Today, I'm perfect in my own imperfections. And I love recovery. I love helping people. This disease is not an individual disease. It's been a family disease. Our family is so much better. That brother that wrote the letter to the judge, Scott, my best friend on the planet. And I hated that guy. He's learned. And that's my story. You Thank you so much. Thank you, like seriously, from the bottom of we my heart. Go thank you for second. coming on yep. and sharing your story. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Christian Smith, everybody, has been an amazing podcast. Such a, a powerful spiritual man. Join us next week for John Taylor with Hunts for the Brave. Thank you guys. We'll see you in seven days. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.